Hello, it's David here, and thank you for listening to The Leader. Please subscribe to make sure you don't miss out on our news, analysis and commentary every day at 4pm. Now, from the Evening Standard in London, this is The Leader. Hi, I'm David Marsland. Here come the tears, but what's next? I spoke to head teachers. They are very frustrated because they don't know. They said they're working off rumours and newspaper headlines. Our education editor, Anna Davis, on the crisis facing schools. Will they have to shut down soon too? And... I think it's become less and less possible for an October surprise to work. People are already voting in the United States. U.S. politics historian Christopher Phelps says Joe Biden's son becomes embroiled in the election. We look at the tradition of the October surprise. Taken from the Evening Standard's editorial column, this is The Leader. For the whole thing, pick up the newspaper or head to standard.co.uk slash comment. In a moment, confusion over Tier 2 and lockdown. This edition of The Standard is brought to you by the AXA Startup Angel Competition. I'm Sharma Dean Reid, founder and CEO of The Stack World, and I'm here to help you turn your business dream into reality. There are six chances to win the competition, including two top prizes of £25,000, mentoring from myself and leading UK founders, plus business insurance for a year, thanks to AXA. Go to standard.co.uk forward slash AXA Startup Angel for details on how to enter and complete your entry by the 2nd of June, 2024. Good luck. Still quieter than the London of last year, this was Piccadilly Circus 12 hours before Tier 2 restrictions hit the capital. I find it a, bit, uh, a little bit silly because we can go to school and then there's 30 people in the classroom, everyone's from a different household, we're not all siblings there. Localised where it's needed, but I can't see the point in locking down whole areas of the country. For example, in Devon, there's hardly any incidents of it at all. So why should they suffer? Because other people in other parts of the country are not looking after themselves. I'd rather it be, we have a total lockdown for two weeks, four weeks or whatever. Like in Northern Ireland, the pubs are shutting today for four weeks and the schools are shutting for two weeks. And that might still happen. It's clearly not the government's first choice. They want to give the tier system a chance, but it's certainly never been ruled out. And if the so-called circuit breaker does come, how quickly will it fall? How long will it last? And who will it affect the most? Our editorial column is thinking back to the first lockdown, when the schools closed, and warning that can't happen again. One of the sharpest lessons from this spring is that children suffer disproportionately from lockdowns. The disadvantaged fall further behind in class, the most disadvantaged lose out on hot meals, vaccinations and pastoral care. With children at home, the working lives of parents are disrupted. Schools can stay open under Tier 2 measures, but there is no guarantee that would continue under the circuit breaker that may follow. Neither is it clear that any circuit breaker would be short. The mistakes made in spring must not be repeated. The government should act now and make it clear schools will not be included in further lockdowns. 
Our education editor, Anna Davis, is with me. Anna, parts of the country, including London, are going into tier two in these new restrictions. We're all trying to work out what that means, but some people are trying to figure out what's next. Does anybody know? <laughs> yes, that's a good question. I spoke to head teachers about this very thing and they are very frustrated because they don't know. Um, they said they're working off rumours and newspaper headlines at the moment because no one's told them. The problem is some of them break up for half term tomorrow. Uh, most of them are the following week, but but a few of them do already have two week half terms that they'd planned Anyway, they do every year and it gives people a bit of a break, especially after this last six months, which has been very tough for the teachers and the students. So they're slightly worried that if this two week half term circuit breaker is announced, it'll happen at the end of their two week half term and therefore their students will end up being off for three weeks and they won't have prepared anything for them. They won't have sent them home with any books or technology that they might need to continue their lessons. Um, so there's worry about schools that are breaking up tomorrow. And then, I mean, even the schools that are breaking up the week after, it's leaving a, a bit late to not tell them what's happening. And of course, they'll be thinking about way back in the spring when all this happened the first time and just the sheer amount of disruption that caused because those are the two lessons that we learned aren't they the organization that you spoke about there but also the harmful impact that an extended lockdown could have and did have on a lot of children yeah absolutely i think some schools are still seeing the impact of it on their students you know having been stuck at home for six months you know some of them in possibly unsafe conditions seeing domestic violence and arguments between parents all, all, all sorts of horrible things um and it definitely is has had an effect on some of the children um you know when they went back teachers were saying that some of them were coming in like sort of shoulders hunched and eyes down not sure who they were allowed to speak to because they were worried about the virus Obviously, a lot of children uh, were totally fine and very excited to get back to school. Um, but th those worries are really concerning. So, yes, the, the, the teachers want to make sure that if there is this extended break, they, they, they set things up right for them. They make sure that the charities that were helping certain families can still do that in this break and provide them with food or you know, paper. Some of them get paper and books and things uh, and, and tablets so that they can work on or laptops. They, they want to do all that kind of stuff. I think if it's only a two week break, hopefully it, it won't be as bad because they're used to having the one week anyway. So it's not that much longer. And some schools do have two weeks anyway. But yeah, if it was going, if it was to go on for any longer than two weeks, that would be really concerning. Yeah, and there are some scientists, as reported in the Evening Standard today, who say that two weeks won't be long enough for a circuit breaker to work. And in the meantime, who's going to look after these children that aren't going to school? Yeah, it's a it's a nightmare, isn't it? I mean, that's why they just want to know. I think who's going to look after them it'll be the parents who are trying to work from home and we'll be back in that awful nightmare scenario of back in March when it all kicked off and as we've said in today's paper often it is the mums who end up doing the bulk of the childcare. just from they tend to be the um, you know set up as the primary carer just because it started off that way from from the moment the child was born they had maternity leave and it's um 
in times of crisis, you revert to the default and the default is the mums looking after the kids and sacrificing their own work, which is another worry uh, that we're going to see a whole generation of progress in, in women in the workplace um, going backwards because of this. Yeah, I mean, 2020 is looking like the year when women had to put their career on hold, isn't it? Yeah, I think it is. Yeah. Any lockdown of schools would be really harmful to women's careers. I, I suppose half terms, people are set up for that. So they, you know, the balancing act of childcare is kind of in place, uh, although it's been disrupted this year because I suppose you can't have the grandparents or those kind of options that you would normally have. But any longer than that, an extended lockdown would, you know, cause it to come crashing down again, I think. Next. Hunter Biden's name is not on the ballot. So I think they need a better October surprise. Christopher Phelps, there's been an October surprise in the US election. But do they ever make a difference? Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season, when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers, and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Donald Trump certainly likes an October surprise. We've just learned through explosive documents published by a very fine newspaper, the New York Post, that Joe Biden has been blatantly lying about his involvement in his son's corrupt business dealing. The New York Post had barely published its story about allegations into Hunter Biden's personal and business life when the president brought them up at a rally in Iowa. Mr Trump's enthusiasm seemed short-lived, though. It wasn't just the Democrats' swift denial of the claims about Joe Biden's son. The social media giants Twitter and Facebook both censored the story and prevented sharing while it was being fact-checked. You couldn't even DM the link on Twitter at one point. Mr Trump's threatening to take action against the companies. So, is this October surprise going to affect the election? Do any of them? Joining me now is Professor Christopher Phelps from Nottingham University's Department of American Studies. Christopher, there is a long tradition of this sort of thing happening in US politics, isn't there? Uh, yes, there is wasn't always known as the October surprise. So it's a classic October surprise would be an intervention, as you say, that is by design, tactically, information that's withheld by one campaign and dumped at a strategic moment to alter the dynamics of the race and turn it in their favor. But it's taken a lot of different forms. There have been surprises that neither campaign has anticipated. There have been attempts to suppress you know, developments that could lead to an October surprise. So it can take place in a variety of different ways. And I suppose October surprise might be a name by which we impose on the chaos of history, those events that happen to crop up right before elections and grab people's attention. I know I, I often see US spin doctors kind of say there's an, Oct there's, a, there's an October surprise coming with a little sly smile behind them, like it's gonna change everything. Do they actually work, though? Has there ever been an October surprise that has changed the result of an election? So in our current situation, you could imagine that a vaccine, for example, 
might be game changing. If, if Pfizer or AstraZeneca came out and said, we have a successful test, the vaccine will be available by January, COVID is solved. Um, then people might say, okay, let's take the whole COVID issue off the table and let's remember what the economy was like before that hit. And maybe now Trump looks a lot better to some people, to some voters. Um, but apart from something massive like that, it's hard to imagine this race being changed. Well, the history of this starts all the way back in the early Republic when there was a, um, a race between Adams and Jefferson. Adams was the incumbent president. And there was an October surprise, but I don't think either of the two candidates planned it. It was an intervention by Alexander Hamilton, who wrote a 50-page smear letter about Adams's character. Now, ironically, Hamilton was part of the same Federalist Party that John Adams was part of, um, but it was factionalism within the federal Federalist Party that then may have played a role in allowing Jefferson to win. But I think it's become less and less possible for an October surprise to work simply because of the structure of modern elections. People are already voting in the United States. They're already lining up to vote. 17 million people have estimated to have voted already in early voting in various states that allow that. There are many more people who've mailed in their mail-in ballots. Um, so aside from the fact that if you didn't have an opinion on Donald Trump by now and whether or not he should remain president of the United States, and you're one of those people who remains malleable, very many people have already made a decision that they can't alter even based on new information. They were happy to go ahead and not wait three more weeks for more information. They had their minds made up. Actually, those numbers for the people who are who have done early voting are interesting because that's part of what's making this election so unique. And I wonder if the reaction on social media to these Hunter Biden allegations is also perhaps maybe disappointed the Republicans who were maybe hoping this would be a big surprise because, of course, it got censored by Facebook and Twitter, which they've never done before. Yeah. The, the emails are supposedly off of Hunter Biden's notebook computer, but the man who had these computers in his computer shop in Delaware can't vouch for certain that it was Hunter Biden who dropped them off. Nobody has seen the metadata, which is the technical term for where the emails came from to be able to trace whether they're real or whether they're forgeries. We do have on record by all US intelligence agencies the fact that in the 2016 election, the Russian intelligence services were intervening consciously with disinformation. And so uh, is this a real thing or is it false? Let's just assume for a minute that it's real. Let's assume Hunter Biden sent these emails and that the whole computer is really from Hunter Biden and they have photographs of him. Does it matter? Uh, it's Hunter Biden. It's the kind of rogue son. I think of Hunter Biden as a bit like Billy Carter. If anybody remembers Billy Carter, he had his Billy beer. He tried to capitalize on the name of his brother and he had this weird relationship with the Libyan government. Didn't matter a bit. And Biden has been pretty effective in saying, look, my son struggled with drug addiction. I'm proud of him for trying to overcome that. And is any of this going to stick and make somebody not vote for Joe Biden? As a, Hunter Biden's name is not on the ballot. Um, so I think they need a better October surprise. I think they need something like, well, I think Amy Coney Barrett is playing their wave with their base because it reminds them that having Trump in the White House will provide conservative judges. And that's an October event. So something's got to come down the pike that's got to be more than Hunter Biden's emails, I think, even if these are real. Could it get nastier then? 
It's hard to imagine because Joe Biden is such an innocuous figure in a personal sense. Uh, one might be able to argue about his policy, but he's been in politics for 40 years. There's not likely to be much of a surprise on Biden himself. And so it's conceivable, uh, you know, they could come out with something on Harris or something like that that we don't know about. Um, she seems a little less tested by time, but Trump is certainly not averse to personalizing politics. I guess the response to all of this kind of skepticism over whether it will have an effect would be that classic line that came out from 2016, but her emails. People do get upset by these things. They can get upset about them. Of course, sometimes they just fizzle. If we remember George W. Bush in the race in the year 2000 against Al Gore, shortly before the election, a report came out about his drunk driving episode in 1976. And immediately, George W. Bush said, yeah, that was me. And he said, when I was uh, young and irresponsible, I was young and irresponsible, which was a pretty good retort. Uh, and it, it put it in the past, it contextualized it, and he moved on and it, he won the election. Of course, it was a, uh, you could argue whether he won the election. It got thrown into the Supreme Court and it was all the dimpled chads and all that. But, you know, he prevailed in the end. Um, it didn't affect his ability to win. Um, and so sometimes things that are meant to damage don't. And that's The Leader. You can keep up with all the latest developments with the Evening Standards live blog, which you'll find at standard.co.uk. This podcast is back tomorrow at 4pm. <laughs>